Hi, and welcome back to another exciting episode on Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. You are listening to us on NachumSiegel.com or possibly streaming live on your app. If you haven't downloaded the app yet at the Google Play Store or at the Apple iTunes Store, I highly suggest that you do. It makes us a far more interactive, informative, and really wonderful experience, both for you, the listener, and myself as the host. We are proud to be sponsored by our good friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I have to tell you, I actually am incredibly excited about today's show, as I am about every week's show, but this one, to me, strikes perhaps a little bit more at home. Number one is I'm incredibly excited about getting this product into my own home, but secondly, I've had a chance now prior to the show to speak with Jonathan Frankel, our entrepreneur, I believe the CEO of Nucleus, um, and we're going to hear what that is in a moment, Nucleus Intercom. And the product is great, but even more exciting than the product being great, the entrepreneur behind the product is uh, is really just incredible, and it's, it's nice to be able to have him uh, here with us on the show today. So, uh, Jonathan, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we really appreciate you being here. You know, I've got a lot of different things to ask you in a lot of different ways that I want to ask them, but the first thing I want to talk about is, did you think you were going to be an entrepreneur when you were going through high school? Uh, not really. Uh, in high school, I was pretty much focused exclusively on hockey. Um, wasn't really much thinking about potential future careers. And when future careers did come up, I was initially just on the lawyer, doctor, rabbi track. I went to law school and became a rabbi. So I was, you would say, two of those. Um, so I never really thought about the entrepreneurial track and kind of fell into it when I discovered a void in, in my own uh, needs and that wasn't being filled in the marketplace, and I looked into it more and decided to jump in. See, to me, that's very important for a number of reasons. Number one is I think we have many fans of the DRS Wildcats who are out there, and we wish them much luck on this hockey season. Uh, number two is that I think a lot of people feel that if they weren't selling lemonade outside on their front lawn in fourth grade, um, or you know, running car washes in sixth grade, or you know, selling yearbooks in, in twelfth grade, and we can obviously go through a litany of examples, maybe they're not cut out to be an entrepreneur. But you went the very traditional schooling route, uh, have multiple degrees, and at some point in time you decided that you wanted to invent or create something and start your own company. So let's take one further step back. You, you went to DRS, as I mentioned. You are a local New York-born uh, product. Correct. Uh, Queens. Proud Queens boy. Yes, proud Queens boy. So we're excited to have Queens represented here. Uh, much more proud of Jonathan Frankel than obviously of the Mets. Um, but uh, you went to DRS. Following DRS, where did you go? I went to Shalvin for two years. Okay, so DRS, sorry for our audience who is not five towns or Queen-centric, which is the vast majority of you, DRS is part of the School Hebrew Academy of Long Beach. Uh, DRS stands for the Davis Renoff Stoller High School for Boys. That's located here in Woodmere, not all that far from my home, actually. Um, and then Shalvin is a outstanding yeshiva that I happen to be a proud alum of, uh, located in Israel, halfway in between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, we think. Near mini-Israel is how most people describe it. Near mini-Israel, <laughs> correct. Okay, near mini-Israel, and it's a interesting yeshiva because it mixes Israelis and Americans to some degree, mm-hmm. um, in various different years to various different degrees, but okay, so you were there. So you, you finished Shalvim, and then what happened? And then I went to YU, where I majored in computer science. Um, I had this lifelong love of computers. I got hooked on programming in ninth grade, and in addition to the hockey, I was a total computer geek in high school. So in YU, I was a major in computer science, absolutely loved it as a major. It's a fascinating um, 
degree in study and it's it makes you think a lot um, so I really appreciated it but at the same time I worked for a couple summers as an intern at JP Morgan as a developer and realized that as a full-time career it didn't fully interest me I mean it's a lot of uh, solitary confinement essentially a lot of time in front of a screen alone so I wasn't particularly interested in, in pursuing that as a career Okay, so you, you majored in computer science from Yeshiva University, also located in New York. You enjoyed the thought challenges that existed from the major, uh, but in your experience at J.P. Morgan, I think you said, as a, as a developer there, you discovered that maybe you were missing some of the camaraderie that you get on the hockey team. So while you were a nerd in high school from the computer <laughs> perspective, it's not like you were reckless and, and wanted to be isolated from people. Correct. I mean, the one of my second summer at J.P. Morgan, I was doing as back office a job as you can get. I was developing a tool for other developers, and <laughs> I mean, literally, if you spoke to one person a day, it was, it was a good day. Um, so I decided that that lifestyle was not for me. <laughs> That's I, frankly, I want to get right into the rabbi question from there because <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was the what's it called the the cure to uh, uh, to that challenge. When, when did you decide to pursue rabbinic ordination? Um, while I was in YU, I was very involved with a group called NCSY, which I believe you're very familiar with as well. I used to do NCSY, which is a, a youth a Jewish youth education and outreach movement. I used to do. I go out to Portland and Edmonton and, and Vancouver, Seattle, um, pretty frequently to help informal Jewish education out there, which is there's a lack of Jewish education in a lot of those areas. There's much of Jewish infrastructure. It used to fly out every two, three weeks or so. And I really enjoyed it and I saw the value of Jewish education and how important it is for someone to be able to provide Jewish education. So I thought whether or not as a career, it's important to get the training to be able to, to get involved in that. Um, I was never dead set on a career in, in uh, as a rabbi, but I figured it's worth the training and the knowledge. So I spent a few years after YU, still in the YU uh, rabbinic coordination program, pursuing the, the rabbinic degree. See, I, I find that personally pretty fascinating also because that's sort of how I wound up in, in the rabbinate, um, almost by accident, if you will, which I'm sure the people listening from uh, the Yeshiva University rabbinical degree uh you don't complete the degree by accident, but oftentimes you fall into the program uh, to some degree without intending to be a practicing rabbi when you're done. And uh, we're going to shamelessly use this segment in order to plug our Northwest listeners. We don't have a large listening audience in the Portland, Seattle, uh, Edmonton area, but we are going to make sure that they listen here uh, about how they helped you get your start in the rabbinic uh, world. And it happens to be for the people listening who think that, that everybody else listening here on uh, NachumSiegel.com or on your app are from the five boroughs or, you know, tri-state area. Very much not true. We get uh, outstanding emails and tweets, etc. from from very, it sounds wrong. I don't mean this in a pejorative fashion at all. I'm from Denver. I, I carry the town, the badge of out of town with much pride, but from far-flung places, uh, nationally and internationally. Even, even Queens, as far-flung as Queens or Brooklyn even. It's yes, very, cool. diff- very far from the five towns. We, we were discussing that the Van Wyck is probably the largest impediment to anybody on the five towns wanting to associate with anybody else, but that that is getting a little bit too micro here in terms of the conversation. So you, you, you finished rabbinic ordination from Yeshiva so University. Actually, I didn't finish. I, okay. it, it's a... It's a f- at that point, I didn't finish. It's a four-year program, so I spent three years at that point doing it. Then I got married um, during my, my last year there and decided that perhaps it's time to consider perhaps you know earning some money or an income at some point down the line might be a worthwhile endeavor. An entrepreneurial thought at that, okay. <laughs> so you want to turn some money, then what did you do? Uh, so then I went to law school. Um, it's a pretty natural segue from studying Talmud to 
take the LSAT. In fact, a lot of people do that. Sure. Um, so I went to law school, also loved it, was very interested in the subject matter. The actual practice of law was something that didn't interest me as much as I discovered pretty much the first week when they hand you something called the Blue Book. The Blue Book, for those of you who are fortunate enough to not be practicing lawyers, is a five to 600 page compendium of rules on how to cite things in footnotes. You're expected to memorize it and practice it. And I said, this is going to be my life. Uh, <laughs> rather do something else. Well, while we're expanding our listening audience to Northwest uh, America, I'd like to not eliminate our listening audience of attorneys that are out there. So while <laughs> you're learning to footnote, while you're listening to people involved in entrepreneurialism, um, know that this could be for you as well and that we very much value the Blue Book here as well. So you went to law school. Where did you go to law school? I was in Harvard. Oh, you were in Harvard Law School. Okay, so congratulations on that. So you and your wife then moved up to Boston, I assume. So in Boston for three years. Okay. Uh, loved our time there. I mean, it was a fantastic place to live. Um, really enjoyed the community, the, both the Jewish community and the secular community there. Mm-hmm. People are just interested and outgoing, and, and everyone has varied pursuits. And every time you meet someone in the street, they could be I, – I literally bumped into the head of the MIT neuroscience department and had a long conversation with him. Just a lot of very fascinating people that live there. And I think part of that, we don't, we don't speak about this often enough. We do regarding Israel, that there's something about the ambiance that creates – an environment of creativity. Boston is a very underrated city for those of us not in the know for the ingenuity that comes out of Boston, not just scholarly and not just academic, but high tech and entrepreneurialism. And and I don't believe it in the investment world. I don't believe here we give it nearly enough credit. When I say here, I mean New York again, but I, we think sometimes just Silicon Valley, really Boston, I think gives almost every other place in the world uh, a run for its money for the ingenuity that comes out of that. And it's got to be fostered to some degree by the high uh, levels of higher education that exist there. There's a very high concentration of very high quality universities in a small area. Um, growing up in New York and taking the subway here, you know, which is a mixed bag and certainly leads to a lot of fun experiences, but then going to Boston and taking the tea and looking around and everyone has seemingly has a textbook open in front of them and just studying. Uh, it's an eye-opening experience and a really wonderful place to to live for a few years, and if not longer. I'm not sure which subway you take in New York City, but everybody on my subway always has a textbook <laughs> open, obviously. Um, so let's fast forward for a little bit, because I want to get to, to what the experience was in law school and then why you ultimately didn't pursue it, because it sounds like it mirrors the computer science major, uh, but not ultimately wanting to do the development. But let's talk, let's jump right into it. What is Nucleus? Sure. So Nucleus is a internet-connected video intercom system. So instead of having to wire... Say, say it once more and a little bit louder, I think, for the audience, because I think that's the, the essence is in the name here. So Nucleus is an internet-connected video intercom system. So instead of having to wire your entire house at the cost of three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000, which is what the contractor wanted to for our house to put in the same intercom my parents put in literally 20 years ago. Right. Wanted, the first quote was $3,500 for, for our house. So we decided it has to be a better way than wiring analog intercoms throughout your house. So we decided using Wi-Fi is a much better experience. So we have a, it's a touch screen with an HD camera, HD wide angle camera. Um, and you just mount it on your wall and mounts in two minutes. You connect it to your Wi-Fi and then you instantly have a, a home intercom system but also because it has the HD camera, so you have video as well. And because it's internet connected, you actually can expand your intercom system all over the world. So you can have five units in your house in 
in New York and your parents in Boston or the Northwest or Israel can have a unit in their kitchen and you could all be on the same intercom system as if you're calling to the next room over and it's seamless and flawless and just works instantly as if you're calling up to the next room. You can call it to Israel or to the Northwest. That, that's, uh, <laughs> I paused for a minute mostly because I was speechless. I mean, this is, when you think about the concept, I don't know whether it's so big it blows your mind. You're like, wow, that's so obvious. I can't believe it doesn't exist. And maybe if you hit the nexus of the two, maybe you know you've got a good idea. Before we go further, I want everybody to have an opportunity to go to nucleusintercom.com. We'll spell it for you. Nucleus is spelled N-U-C-L-E-U-S, intercom, I-N-T-E-R-C-O-M.com. You should check it out. It is, um, you know, out of all the things... You know, a lot of products do get their launch here on Tech Talk, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, but it's already been seen on uh, USA Today, on NBC, Rave Now, Business Insider, Sound and Vision, uh, CE Pro, uh, TND, which actually I don't know what that is, but it's featured prominently on your website, so I'm going to ask you about that in a second. It, it, it is certainly a product that is on the eyes of the experts out there eyeing new products that are coming out here in 20. 14? 2015. Second, coming out. Second quarter 2015. Coming out second quarter 2015. So, But before we go any further, I, I really encourage everybody to go to NucleusIntercom.com because seeing is believing. We're going to get a chance to hear all about it. But I think when you get to see it at play, um, it's really, really great and uh, I think pretty awesome. And before Yonatan's going to uh, add in something for a moment, I want to remind everybody that you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, R.E. Lightstone. We're here with Jonathan Frankel of Nucleus uh, at NucleusIntercom.com. You can listen to us on NachumSiegel.com or download our app, as I've encouraged you to do. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I'd point out, if you're really excited about this, I'm going to be tweeting out this link later. If you're not following me yet, I kindly encourage you to follow me on Twitter at LightstoneA. Uh, so please follow me, not just for my own, you know, um, excitement. But follow me because I think it's going to be informative. Download the app. You're going to be able to see what you're looking for over there. And now I'm going to invite Jonathan to comment on the item that he wanted to comment sure. on. Sure. First, and as a special treat, if you decide to follow Aria, I'm going to tell Aria after the show a special discount code for people who want to reserve now, and he'll tweet it out. Um, back to the to our website, actually, a bit of inside baseball and might interest some of uh, our, our listeners. Um, so Uri Westrich some people might know from his Maccabees fame. So he's the one that did the video for the Maccabees that launched them nationally, internationally, and sure. to the superstars they are. So Uri and I were friends from Shalavim, actually, as a small world. Uri was another one who I think uh, uh, failed to actually fulfill his academic promise, right? Correct. <laughs> I mean, his parents must be really you know, killing themselves. He, he left medical school, and he could have gone to law school also, and but... Thankfully, his video career is taking off, so he decided to run with it. Another entrepreneur running with, with his, his dream. But anyway, Uri was the one that did our video. So if you recognize any of the scenes, I th- believe there might be some scenes that were similar to some Maccabee videos, and certainly the techniques are similar to Maccabee videos. So just a little plug for, for Uri. I was also going to say, if there's any similarity at whatsoever, the odds of virality, at least with college-age girls, is going to go <laughs> drastically up for Nucleus Intercom. <laughs> Um, so that, that's exciting. So just walk our audience through, please, the process from ideation, mm-hmm. when you realize that there's got to be a better way to do this, mm-hmm. to the time that you said, hey, I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. 
and sort of where you went from there. This is we we, we want to go A to Z and understand the process. It's an excellent question because it's something that my wife and parents are also wondering. Like, how do you leave a good job <laughs> to do this? Um, Yo, wait, wait, one second. I, you were actually employed post Harvard Law. Yeah, at working. The, I was at the Boston Consulting Group. Oh, okay, and that's that's not a shabby job by any stretch of the imagination. It was a great job, but right. also one that involved a tremendous amount of travel. Um, okay, a, a lot of fun. I mean, I was doing everything from. Um, optimizing pricing schemes for national energy companies to projecting demand for nuclear fuel out the next 10 years. So just a fascinating array of projects, but also a m- number of projects I met on a plane Monday morning game back Thursday night, which is pretty difficult when you have three little boys at home. If only you had an intercom system to stay connected <laughs> with them. But that was not... I, li- I like what you did there. <laughs> was that, but that wasn't the genesis of the no, idea. No, the genesis of the actually was uh, literally like probably the week I started at BCG. We were in the process of renovating our home. And as I mentioned before... BCG is the Boston Consulting Group. Um, and as I mentioned before, so we were renovating our house in suburban Philadelphia. It's a mm. typical suburban home. Um, and we wanted an intercom system to, take, you know, to keep track of those aforementioned uh, three boys. And when I got the quotes, it was thirty five hundred, four thousand, an insane amount of money for something that I that wasn't really providing that much in terms of functionality. Sure. So just to save myself money, I went online, figuring okay, there has to be a wireless option. And I wasn't even thinking Wi Fi. I was just thinking in terms of like the regular like Radio Shack, you know, walkie talkie style. Ones. Sure. And you cannot buy a good one like for love or money. You can't buy a good wireless intercom system. It just doesn't exist. Um, so. At the time, I lose in my first week on the job. I was about to quit, you know, three days in. Um, but the idea percolated in my mind for a while, and I felt a lot of other ideas that eventually made into the product that, that uh, you know, kind of layered on top of the base intercom functionality. Um, so I was at BCG for, I guess, it was over a year when finally the travel was a bit too much. Too much. And I said... I decided to take a serious look at the at the intercom space. I spent a few months. So this was an idea you were thinking about, but work was otherwise occupying at least four and a half real days a week, plus right. everything else. And then you get home, you're with your family for a day and a half. It's right. Be, there, there was yeah. no time on the side to launch right. something like this, um, particularly with hardware. You can't it's, you can't really do it as a part time with just you know, a small amount of money. I mean, you have to really go big. Sure. Um, so I spent the first thing I did when I decided to, to launch it was I before I spent a penny on development, I spent probably a good six eight weeks of just doing pure market research. I mean, a lot of skills I learned at BCG. Um, I ran surveys. I put up a fake web page where I literally I built a mock-up in literally MS Paint. Okay. Um, and I am not a graphic designer, so it was a bad mock-up. <laughs> and I, I you know bought a, a domain domain name. And I bought uh, it was 150 dollars of Google ads um, directing people to my domain. And I put up a form. I didn't ask for a credit card, but I asked for everything else that I would take to order it. Um, and I got orders. And I got it was about four thousand dollars worth of orders. You know, over the course of that week. Sure. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm onto something. People are clicking on these links. They see it. They, they like the functionality, and, and they're ordering. So I, I did the fake website. I did surveys. I interviewed homeowners. I interviewed contractors. Um, I, I was trying to size the market. So I literally emailed people. at I found people at Aphone, which is one of the big intercom companies. I, I found one of their contact information. I just emailed them and said, hey, I'm working on a project. Uh, how big is the intercom market? The guy was very nice. And he directed me to his, like industry stats about exactly how big. It's a multi-billion dollar market. Um, <clears throat> And currently shrinking because the value proposition is is so skewed. Five thousand dollars for for a bad intercom sure. is is not a, a good you know, consumer value proposition. Um, but you know, so I said that we have a 
good size market. I mean, all the contractors that I spoke with said there's a lot of latent demand. A lot of people ask for intercom. When they get the quote back, they say, forget it. I mean, they're already tapped out after all the construction. They want to spend another $3,000. Sure. There's latent demand. I thought it was a market that could grow. And then, and then with a lot of the other ideas ahead on top of this, which you can get into in a few minutes, is is the smart home is the next big step in in kind of the tech world. So we're going to talk about that for in one minute. But you spent how long you, from the day you quit your job? So I, you knew you were doing this. So actually, I spent it was a few weeks before I I started on this. I had a different idea. Mm-hmm. I also started with the market research. We did a few weeks of market research and said it wasn't a good idea. Okay. Um, we spoke with someone who had a connection, one of the big players, who found to come with a new product that would have decimated the product we were going to come out, come out with. So decided to to not do that other idea, which is why it's important to do research before <laughs> before you jump in with with both right. feet. Um, that was probably another few weeks before I started this, and then once I decided, you know, to shelve that, I went back to this idea. Mm-hmm. And the more I looked into it, the more excited I got. Sure. And so you spent the time. So walk the audience through a little bit what this smart home is. Some many of us have heard of it, but probably most of us have not. So the smart home or connected home is, is as, as I said, one of the hottest areas of tech. Um, the idea being that currently a lot of your appliances in your home are not quote-unquote smart, right? They they work the same as they did 50 years ago. But by adding a little bit of connectivity to it, we could really make the home smart. So there are two there are two elements to that. One is just being connected. So for example, you can turn your light your lights or your oven, your stove, whatever it is, you know, from your phone or, or remotely. So that's just like the smart, the, the connected part of the smart home. Mm-hmm. And then the, the real smart home is that your home will learn and react of its own volition. Um, so when you get up in the morning and you want your coffee maker will automatically turn on. Um, so that's more the, the smart aspect of, of the smart home. Machine learning, something like that? Yeah, okay. and machine learning, and or sometimes it's, it, it's programming. There's a big company called If This Then That that just raised a $30 million round that were basically, it's a very easy way for people to to make algorithms, or as they call it, recipes, probably to make it more accessible. Uh-huh. Um, people can make recipes that say, okay, if if you spot motion between 7 and 8 a.m., then turn on the coffee maker. Uh-huh. Great. I, I see many potentials for disaster with this, as I also have three little kids at home, <laughs> but if this, then that. <laughs> so I, I happen to agree, and that's part of where we think Nucleus is different. So the two options currently for, for controlling your smart home, mm-hmm. one of which is via an app. So, so if you want to turn on your lights, you have to take your phone out, Unlock your phone, pull up the app, wait for it to load, and then turn your lights on. Uh, you're better off just hitting the light switch. It's a lot faster and easier and simpler. Um, the other option are these algorithms or recipes, which, as you said, it's a, it's a poss- possibly for disaster ensues. Even if 90% of the time it happens correctly, the, the 10% false positives. So, for example, if I got up in the middle of the night because I have a flight to catch and I don't want the coffee maker going on, that's annoying when the, when the coffee maker goes on. And the machine learning is not going to get anywhere to the, step, to the stage where they could read your mind anytime soon. So I would rather control, uh, personally, I'd rather control everything myself than have it work 90% of the time automatically and 10% of the time work incorrectly. incorrectly. So we think those two approaches to the smart home really don't work for most people's lifestyles. Maybe for the cutting edge people in San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're willing to do that because it's cool, but for most uh, you know, normal people, that, that these are not great approaches. Which is why we think with Nucleus, so as an intercom, it's naturally placed throughout your home. So right away, because an intercom you really have in every in every uh, room, so you have an internet connected and touch screen in every room, and you also have a microphone as part of the intercom system, you have a microphone. So we're building in voice recognition, so you can just talk to your intercom and say, okay, Nucleus, turn on the lights. 
right? So you don't have to take a phone out of your pocket. You don't have to go start creating algorithms to control your home. Just talk to your intercom, and your intercom will do everything for you. Hang on. I did market research before having you on to the show, and not only... Not only does it have the ability, I knew that you had the ability to interact with other people in the house and outside the house and everything else like that. The the intercom, the nucleus, has the ability to affect some of the other machines in your house. So that tells me I have to do a better job on our website uh, explaining things. Or I need to do better research. I'm okay <laughs> with either one, yeah. Um, but yeah, we are, we're integrating anything with a public API, mm-hmm. or a, uh, API application programming interface. Um, we are in the process of integrating with, uh, we're ready to integrate with Belkin Wemo. Uh, we're, we were at a conference last week. We were right next to Nest. We had a long talk with them about integrating with, with some of the Nest products. So a lot of these products that have an, an open interface that we, can, that we can integrate with, so you can control from, just like you can control from your app, so we can control it from the intercom. And, and then the voice activation is this other layer on top of, so you can control it from the screen if you want. You just touch, touch the screen and turn your lights. Um, but you also can use your voice, and we think that is the smartest way of controlling your smart home. Because that's real effortless, it's frictionless, it's, it's not annoying. Um, you just you tell your intercom what you want to do, and it does it. It's pretty simple. Sure. No, that makes all the sense in the world. So you went and, and you don't have any actual experience in building hardware. Correct. So where did you start? So um, I started, so after you know six, eight weeks of doing market research, so I decided to kind of split the project between hardware and software. Um, and the I found for software, I went through a couple of different... Um, software design firms. At first, I spent a, a long time trying to find a person to do it, but the right people aren't about to join you know, a tiny little startup with no funding. And you know, Anyone that you get to join, it's like, uh, whose who's, uh, famous line is it? I don't want to be a part of any club that yes. will have me as a member. Groucho Marx. Right. Yes. Um, so the, the people I wanted to join would not have been interested in joining at that stage. So Steve Jobs was otherwise busy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You couldn't say that. <laughs> Oh, choose not to make the joke. Um, and and so I, I found a couple of software design firms. They were they advanced the ball, but they weren't everything I was looking for, and they're very expensive. And I was bootstrapping this myself, so I couldn't afford very expensive. But they advanced the ball like, pretty far enough. We had a working software prototype. It wasn't great, but it was it was half decent. And on the hardware side, so I, so I split, so I just had people uh, building me an Android app on, on the software side. And on the hardware side, um, also just as a first prototype, what I did was I found some recent students that graduated a uh, product design program, and they were part of, it's called like a makerspace, and in Philadelphia it's called NextFab, where they have tens of millions of dollars of equipment, and the and people can join as members for $100 a month or so and have access to these millions of dollars of equipment. So I found some recent students that wanted their own design firm. I was their first client, so it worked well because they were basically just charging me cost for materials. And, sure. And so I wasn't getting I wasn't getting uh, you know, experienced work, but I was able to produce something. So between you know the half-decent software and the and the first old prototype um, hardware, so I was able to put together something that was... It resembled that the idea I had. And how long did that process take? That probably took about six months. Not because any one of the individual pieces was so was so lengthy, but all the 
the false starts and stumbles and as I said I went through three different software design programs and it took me a lot of time to find these guys at the at the makerspace um, I went I probably made hundreds of phone calls to different people I sent hundreds of emails it was it, it was not obvious to me at first how exactly to go about doing it um, so it was a lot of trials and tribulations and just trial and error sure and we're going to talk about what the feeling was from your family uh, and uh, the pressure of the community, what that was like over the six months. As soon as I just let everybody know that you are listening to Tech Talk here on the Nacham Siegel Network, I'm your host, Ari Lightstone. We are here enjoying a fascinating conversation with Yonatan Frankel, originally of Queens, currently of Philadelphia, but most important to all of us, of Nucleus. You can find them at Nucleus intercom.com I strongly suggest you do that now follow me on Twitter at at right the, that was redundant at Lightstone A and you're going to find a uh, discount code I uh, tweeted out later this week in order to be able to uh, pre-order at a special Nachum Siegel rate as always we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera more than just a camera store please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street so where we were just at in the story is it had taken you six months or so to put together what I like to call an MVP and it sounds like it was a little bit yeah. more than an MVP but a minimum uh, viable product yeah. it was yeah it wasn't even so viable. It wasn't even so viable. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty minimum. Okay. Yeah, emphasis on the minimum. <laughs> so it was an MP. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, life goes on. You have mm-hmm. tuition and you've got food and you've got mm-hmm. mortgage. And without getting into the intricacies of how you make it financially, what's the feeling like in, in, you know, in your home and your family with your friends at this stage in the game? Um, so I think I, going into it, we did it. I mean, it was a decision my wife and I made and we knew what our financial situation was and how long we could go without a salary and just looking at our options I mean if you look at the expected value so you have one expected value of, of you know you you try out this endeavor and typically they have say an 80% chance of failure we have a 20% chance of success so then 20% chance of success so you have you're financially set hopefully for life but you also have an amazing lifestyle like instead of having to fly around the country or work as a lawyer till midnight mm. you, you set your own hours you control your destiny there's something very nice as, as someone with a wife and kids and, and it's from to to set your own hours and, and be your own boss. So you have this chance of success, which is a massive, um, maybe maybe low low probability, but very high payout, both sure. financially in terms of, of your timing. And then your other option is just to go get another salaried position. And I mean, think I maybe because I have the Harvard degree or just because of, of BCG, like there are people, you know, reaching out recruiters. Like I, I knew that I could always fall back on a salary position. You had a very strong safety net. So right. you had in your mind what the time, did you have a calendar date? If, if not, if this, it would make it, a great story, yeah. but, but no, we didn't have an actual calendar date. We have, you know, you watch your bank account tick down and when uh, it gets to a certain point, you start looking for a job. A <laughs> classic reason why you didn't go on Tennessee's wife full time. I would have made a story with a specific date <laughs> and there would have been candles burning in the background as we would have told <laughs> it and it would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> but okay, but, but you, you, you and it almost sounds cold and calculated the way you and your wife discussed it. No, we understood the present value of the, the investment and that, that's, you came at it from a BCG type of, uh, yeah, and, and perspective is is amazing, and she knew that it's a, it's a big risk, but she was behind was and is behind me a hundred percent, which makes all the difference because if you're going to, it it's nerve wracking enough wondering what's going to be, and and I can describe a typical day in, in a minute, which is I mean you, the swings of emotion you get on any day are are insane. 
Um, so to not have your spouse be with you 100% would just make it too difficult. Um, so you have to make the decision together. Right. We've had many entrepreneurs on in the past who have explained that the single life style in some way, shape, or form is easier with some of the hours and some of the flying and some of the meetings. But the entrepreneurs who it's – maybe that's not even a fair judgment, but the entrepreneurs who have come on who have been married, the number one thing they've said is that the support of their spouse – uh, and maybe even family behind them, you know, gives them the gives them the, the courage to get through the next day, and it's a tough day. So I, I've been meaning to write a blog post for probably three months now, but have not gotten around to it. But it's a little counterintuitive. I think that you almost should be married with kids when you launch a company, because yes, when you're 20 years old and you're single, and I mean, when I was in NYU, I was literally getting by on 20 dollars a month. You know, that's I, on frozen burritos. That's basically all, all I spent my money on. Um, you got you know two for three bucks at the at the grocery store in NYU. Um, so so yes, it's very easy. You can literally get by on a couple thousand dollars a year in your parents' basement. But because you're single and because you can get away with that, you can also it can be all consuming. And you spend you know, eighteen hours a day, you know, six or seven days a week, depending on your you know, religious circumstances, you know, building it, and and you have tunnel vision. Whereas it, when you're married with kids, so particularly something like an intercom, which is so geared towards families, so A, you have the support system of your family and kids, no matter how rough a day you have, you can go and, and be around family and have that support, that emotional support. But also you interact with normal human beings, and you're forced to because you're doing carpool, you're, you know, you're talking to your, your, your kids have play dates. So you, by having to interact and explain your idea to normal people who might not be exactly like you in terms of your tech savvy, mm-hmm. you're forced to explain your idea idea and get feedback. So I think it's actually helpful to be married with kids. It might be more tense, but I think it's actually a help. And I imagine it helps. I think one of the things that you see with entrepreneurs, and this is for sure an overgeneralization, but you see sometimes lack of perspective, which I think in some ways has made made many of the entrepreneurs incredibly successful. But I think that when you're looking at a product, and this might be something that we, that we can talk about and, and drill down a little bit further on, here you're talking about ultimately it's a consumer product. And if you are not in touch with consumers, you might be designing something that they might not ultimately want. Uh, and I'm sure that this is the, the variations and the additions, et cetera, that you've created here have been done based upon, you know, formal market study and probably lots of informal market study. A hundred percent. I mean, it's right. Both formal and informal, even the design. I ran a Google has a consumer survey mm-hmm. um, where you can, if you do it right, you can have like five cents a, a response. So I ran, we had different design ideas. So I did a, I did a thousand respondent survey asking people which, which design they like best. And we just based on the feedback we got, we, we chose a design. So there, there's formal market research and then there's also informal, which is by having to explain, everyone asks, okay, what do you do? So you sure. have to explain what you do. Um, and then if you get a blank stare, you either know that it's, it's not a good idea or you have to come up with a better explanation. So I've, by now I've explained it a thousand times. So you, you, can hone the idea and the explanation a lot more than the first time around. Sure. Now, how many people at your um, house for a meal, holiday or otherwise, have said, oh, make sure you include this on the product? <laughs> so maybe particularly pertinent to your audience, I get I get probably once a week where I get an email asking if it has a, a Sabbath mode. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's funny. The uh, One of the first people to reach out to me was the editor of CE Pro Magazine. It's an industry journal. And the first question she asked was, does it have a Sabbath mode? I was kind of taken aback. 
Um, turns out she comes from a rabbinic family, and she knew that there were appliances that have Sabbath modes, and wanted to know if I was going to have a Sabbath mode. Well, now it, the inquiring minds here at Tech Talk want to know, does it have a Sabbath mode? Maybe, or maybe not the day we ship, but certainly at some point. Okay. It will. It will, it will be a feature in there at some point, just because I myself selfishly want a Sabbath mode. Sure. Does, so let's ask you a practical question. Do you have the ability to turn it off for the Sabbath, even yeah. if there's not a Sabbath? Yes. So yes. you can, it's not like it's on if you don't want it to be on. Correct. Which led me to my next question, uh, which is, what led you to the idea, and maybe we're skipping a couple steps here, but I'm curious, what led you to the idea that I want an intercom that interfaces in my parents' house? Mm -hmm. So, it's important to note, first of all, that uh, you have con total control over your privacy settings. First of all, just you can slide a physical shutter over your camera, okay. so, so no one can see it. Uh, but also using software, you have complete control. So, for example, you can say, I want rooms A, B, and C to be able to talk to me instantly. I want room D to be able to talk to me instantly with audio but not video. And I want you know, my parents to have to ask permission, almost like a Skype, you know, that you have to accept the call before you pick up. So it rings through to that intercom? So, yeah, for that one, it would ring through. But the way I had the idea was my wife's sister lives in Israel, um, and they talk on the phone every day, essentially. And we try to Skype with them, but by the time they have three kids, we have three kids, by the time we get everyone in front of a computer, I mean, some kids are swinging from chandelier. Um, whereas I was thinking, I could be amazing. We have Wi-Fi. It's internet connected. What if they had an intercom in their house? And I mean, literally, she can have one in, in her kitchen. My wife can have one in our kitchen. And to talk, and they could literally, they could cook together. I mean, you just touch the screen, and now you're instantly, it's hands-free. So you can literally just talk to your sister in Israel, and as if it's, you know, as if you're, she's a room away, and you're cooking together, I mean, because it's hands-free. Sure. Minus the, the, the time difference. You'll be making dinner, and she'll be making <laughs> breakfast, but you're correct. You'll both be in the kitchen at the same time. So talk to me now for a moment, please, about durability. I can see being in the kitchen and making bread or just finishing the chicken or whatever else it'll be, and the hands aren't going to be the same way. I'd like to think that when we touch many of our electronic devices, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's done in a more pristine way, certainly before I open up my laptop. Not quite the same with the iPad, but what ste steps have you taken in order to ensure that it has a durability factor? So one of which is just to add voice activation so you won't be touching it with your, you know, dirty chicken hands. Um, other than that, I mean, it's it should be we're, we're using the same components that are sourced for a lot of tablets mm -hmm. out there, which are relatively durable. Sure. Um, I mean, so you can touch them with dirty hands w with no issue. So we don't think that touching with dirty hands should be you know, a major factor. I mean, certainly if you took it off your wall and you know, threw it on the floor, it might be an issue. Right. But on the wall, it should last uh, maybe not for 30 years that the old intercom lasts, but it should last a long time. Sure. And the ease of installation, I see that's one of the first things that you put up. Um, maybe to a degree, it's one of the better selling points, and this also is the reason that you fundamentally started the company. Mm -hmm. um, if I want to move it around my room, how, I mean, tell, tell us what the ease of installation really is. So to install it, uh, it depends where your outlets are. If you have an outlet at, at eye level or you want to put an outlet at eye level, so all you have to do is remove the faceplate of the outlet. Our mount re replaces the faceplate. So you replace it, you plug the intercom into the outlet, you hang our intercom on our faceplate, the cords are totally obfuscated, so you don't see the cords at all, and it looks like it's almost flush mounted against the wall, you know, over your outlet. If you don't have an outlet at eye level, we have a little uh, notch in the faceplate, so you could drop the cord down. It's a thin white USB cord. You can mm. drop it down and plug it into any wall outlet. 
and then you just connect it to Wi-Fi. So the whole installation takes two minutes, five minutes, and it's not you're not breaking through walls and wiring your whole house. Wow! So it's it really is tremendous ease of use. Um, so you know, from a business perspective, which I, I, I it would be really cool if you did this just so you could have this in your own house. Mm-hmm. But that would be sort of like the dorky nerdy part of it, you know, just standing, <laughs> but this, it's a business. Right. So how did you go from understanding that this is a including the market research that this is going to be a viable product and how did you know that, that you had the ability to over you know to take on this project of this size mm-hmm. so it was apparent pretty quickly that the market was there so we're talking about you know at least a billion maybe one to two billion dollar market and it's also apparent just from my own experience and then from the research that there were the products were not meeting the demand. I mean, the products that, you know, three, $4,000 wired intercoms were not meeting you know, consumer demand. So there definitely was a niche for this. And I think a way that we differentiate ourselves from all the other smart home appliances, let's say if you want a Nest thermostat. Mm-hmm. So your current thermostat is either free or $25. A Nest will cost you 250 If you want a connected light bulb, instead of your $2 light bulb, it's going to cost you $20, $30. Every current smart home device is asking you to pay somewhere in the 5 to 10x range for the connectivity. What we're doing is we're asking you to pay a quarter the price of the dumb appliance. So we think the the value proposition of being a quarter the price of the old dumb appliance, and we're giving you, you know, 10 times the features for a lower price, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer for people who are interested in an intercom system. And we also priced it. I mean, our our, our goal really is to eventually um, hit scale and be installed in homes you know, throughout the world. So the reason we're pricing it at 150 per unit, and then if you want, for some of these features, our advanced features that we'll charge a subscription for, but for the basic intercom functionality and, and a lot of the other features, it's free forever. And if you pre-order, everything's free forever. Um, a little plug for myself there. Um, so we're pricing it low because eventually we want we think we hit scale. There's a lot of stuff that we can do when we're installed in 100,000 or a million or 10 million homes, you know, that we can do just only by having that scale. So we're sure. low price in order to hit that scale. Got it. So that that is the we have this conversation ironically mostly with software type companies, not really with consumer based companies where you're asking them to purchase where there are two different plays. One's a revenue play and one is a user play mm-hmm. and you're really combining the two. Right. Where certainly you're not giving it away. Right. Um, but if you look at what you would be buying if you weren't buying this, you practically are giving it away. Right. So on that note, let's see how we can get some of that for even less. We can go to NucleusIntercom.com NucleusIntercom.com uh, in order to be able to order your own Nucleus Intercom. And here there's a bright blue button, top right corner of the page, in case you didn't see it immediately, reserve now, and you'll go to that. And if you follow me on Twitter, at Lightstone A, you're going to find later this week a uh, discount for uh, Nachum Siegel listeners here on Tech Talk uh, for a chance to be able to reserve now, which is really uh, nice, and we appreciate it for uh, for uh, for our listeners. And, and to add, actually, we're not charging credit cards until we're ready to ship. So it's going to be about six months until we ship. Okay. So because a lot, if I myself, if I was presented this opportunity, I'm this company aside, I'm conservative by nature. I probably wouldn't want to pay for something now that that. You know, may turn out to be vaporware, so we're not charging credit cards until we're ready to ship. Sure, it's just reserving. It's a pre-order. Right. It's a pre-order, and when it's ready to ship, then we'll charge you. Run the card, and right. you're going to wind up with uh, with uh, a box at, at your house with the uh, nucleus intercoms. Right. Um, so you obviously know much more about intercoms than I will ever know. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple of uh, of interesting questions. Number one is is you know for an average 
suburban house. What what's the right intercom component? Meaning you want one in every room. You want one. What's intercom protocol? <laughs> so we've actually seen uh, it's known as a bimodal distribution. Okay. Um, in terms of the orders, so there's a lot grouped around like the two to three range, which I guess is going to be just around you know, the kitchen, baby's room, and maybe you know, basement, for example. And then a lot around the kind of six to eight range, which will be more you know, f- spread throughout your home. Mm-hmm. Um, not that many in the four to five range, um, and unfortunately not yet too many in like the ten to fifteen range. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, yeah, enough that you want to be able to hear it from pretty much wherever you are in the house. Every room doesn't need it. Sure, um, but you want to be able to. Part of the the ability of having intercom is that particularly one that has a we have call all functionality, so you just tap once. You know, either from a unit or from our mobile app. So let's say you're in the car and you want everyone to come to the car, you just mm-hmm. press call all. You want everyone in the house to be able to hear you saying come to the car. So you want it spread throughout your home enough that everyone can hear you. So I can purchase for my neighbor who just leans on the horn long enough just to make sure everybody <laughs> needs to go out to the car. I can do that? Yeah, or you can punch him, you know, either way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like the neighbor. I'm just not sure why everybody has to lean on the horn. Um, uh, so that's a functionality, and the func- that's interesting. Walk, walk our audience, please, through what these potential subscription features would be and how you came up with them. Sure. Um, so one of them is voice activation, this voice recognition. That's a, a premium-level subscription. Um, motion detection, so it's as t- for use as a security feature. So if you're away, you can set our motion detection so that you get a text if it detects motion, and then you can instantly just open the app, our app, and see a live picture of the house. Um, and then remote video, so it is also a premium feature. So if you want remote audio, let's say from your car, you want to say everyone come to the car, that's free. Um, if you want to talk to grandma you know, in a different city, audio is free, but if you want remote video, so video outside the house, mm-hmm. that's also a premium feature. Okay. And I, I mean, to me, I've struggled with the same Skyping challenge that you've got. We have both sets of grandparents are not immediately next door geographically. And it's, you know, it, there's nothing like being able to, especially for little kids, be able to see uh, grandparents or great-grandparents as opposed to just hear them on the phone. And vice versa, for the Cor- grandparents to see the little kids. Correct. I'd rather them not see the mess of the house, but I would like them to see the little kids, correct? Mm-hmm. If, maybe if you can build that as to a, you'll get a photo editing uh, app person We've to actually work on been, Someone asked it to build a feature that plays a loop of a quiet, serene, peaceful scene at home. Uh-huh. So when the parents look in, they see everything dinner politely. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. We, we, we can look at investing into that. That makes sense. Um, so you've done that. And, and speak for a moment to what competitors or what other things exist out there, if you will, and, and maybe some points of differentiation? Sure. So if you imagine a Venn diagram, you know, one circle is intercoms and one circle is smart home devices. Mm-hmm. So we fall, we are the only one that falls into the overlap between those two. Like there's only one smart intercom out there. So, But in the intercom bucket, so you have the typical old players, iPhone, Newtone, Legrand, um, you know, the, the old players that... Yeah, we had a Newtone in my house growing up, yeah. Right, yeah, we, have, we now have an iPhone. Okay. Um, but the same players have been doing the same thing you know, for, for decades. Um, and then in the smart home bucket, you have everyone under the sun. I mean, everyone from Nest and Apple um, to now Wink is an entrant. Um, a lot of people, Revolve, a lot of people who are trying to do smart home 
um, integration. We're if not- we learn one thing, the smart home people have much cooler names <laughs> than the older school intercom things. So nu- Nucleus strikes me as at least your name is leaning more into that part of the Venn diagram. Hopefully. Um, and not everyone in that bucket are true competitors. Like we would actually like to integrate with Nest and with Revolve and with and, and with a lot of the other smart home um, players. We'd be very happy to integrate with them. So we don't view them as like a true competitor. But some of let's say the security features, let's say Dropcam is a internet connected video camera, as is Canary or Piper. These are internet connected video cameras to do security. Um, there are competitors on that security dimension and mm-hmm. the monitoring dimension, but the way we differentiate is we're the only one that allows for two-way communication. So if you want to check on grandma, uh, it's like one of our investors is actually, so the reason he invested, he has a parent who has Alzheimer's, unfortunately, and he wants to check on her. And so he has installed a drop cam, but so he can see what's going on, mm-hmm. but he can't interact at all. So there's nothing on the market that has a two-way communication feature. Dropcam kind of ha- lets you do it, but not really in a way that's interactive. It's sure. kind of more like a loudspeaker type thing. So there's so we differentiate from all those other devices, A, by this two-way communication, and B, we think we have the smartest way of communicating with your smartphone, which is voice. Sure. And you have the ability that, that unlike Dropcam and some of the other competitors like that, that yours is not... The intercom is the base, the hub of what mm-hmm. you're doing, but the fact is that it might be the, the nucleus, mm-hmm. if you will, you like what I did there, <laughs> of, uh, of the rest of your smart home uh, um, opportunities, synergies that, that exist there. If you were looking towards the future, which who's, who out there is listening and you think should be running immediately to Nucleus.com to press reserve now? We have to, you, you stereotype you can, our audience it's here from Intercom.com. Intercom. Um, well, oh, sorry, <laughs> Nucleus so we actually met the, randomly. We met the owner or the a friend of the owner of Nucleus.com at a trade show. Okay. Um, but so people with there are two groups we're really targeting. One is families with kids um, that can get a lot of benefit. You hear um, you hear crying in the basement, or even worse is you hear laughter in the basement because <laughs> uh, you know that you're you're in trouble then, um, and you want to see what's going on there. So you just touch the screen and and you can instantly see what's going on. Or you're a working father, mother, and you want to check on or talk to your kids from work and read them a bedtime story. You know, just open your your app on your phone or tablet, and you your kids can have one in the bedroom. You can literally have a face to face. You can read them a bedtime story. Um, so we think that's a very powerful um, feature for that audience. The the flip side is children of elderly parents. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of my parents' generation, they their parents are elderly now. Um, you know, some are more than mentally or less than mentally, more mobile, less mobile, more tech friendly, less tech friendly. But the kind of common denominator is they would all love to be communicating with their families a lot more. Sure. And this lets them do this seamlessly. Wow. Yeah. No. I th- I think there is a a real value add, not economically only, but I think that there, you know, it's interesting. We have the conversation, I think when WhatsApp uh, sold for a good bazillion dollars, and please God by you, you should sell for whatever they had times two, or I, I wish you money times, in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish you times ten, but frankly, that would be ridiculous. But times two, at least, I think seems like a healthy return. Um, that uh, that you, you have so many of those comments that, that they're communicating with each other, but they're not really enhancing a relationship. Here, it sounds like you've taken technology. It, it doesn't replace face-to-face, and it doesn't replace a tactile touch, but it does give a much more um, natural 
level of communication, which I think is exciting. I think that is nice. And I've seen what Skype has done uh, for grandparents and grandkids. I can only imagine that this takes it to the next level, which has got to make it all that much more special. Right. There's an MIT professor that did a famous study that said that any action technologically that takes longer than two seconds to perform, so the rates of using that feature go down massively you know, after that two-second hump. So as I said, like Skyping, we do it you know, once a month with, with my sister-in-law. My grandmother, who would love to Skype, but she doesn't really know how, and someone mm. has to be there with her. So she asks us frequently, and would love to. It just It's almost impossible to schedule with her right. because it takes five minutes to set up. Even a FaceTime, you know, which, which could be relatively quick, but it takes, it takes longer than those two seconds. Right. Anytime you remove the friction... I mean, the reason a lot of apps have had success, the reason Uber has had success, they're removing the friction from that transaction. Sure. So we're, we're removing the friction from communication. Even the text, like, well, we used to, so I work on my third floor often, so my wife will text, okay, dinner's ready, and I'll text back, okay, I'll be down in five minutes. That that takes a minute and a half, and it's not a friendly way of, it's not an emotional way of communicating. Sure. Whereas just by touching the screen and saying, you know, the, and you hear the voice, or you see the video, it's a much warmer, more emotional way of communicating, and it's quicker. Right, not only that, you get the text message eight minutes later, and I wait for five minutes from when you sent it, five minutes from when I received it, five minutes from yesterday, you know, at what point in time is this supposed to actually happen? Okay, so as you look at the horizon from being able to actually ship and deliver, um, what steps are you comfortable with sharing our audience and understanding it's a closely held company, it's obviously proprietary information over here, we're all very excited, we're going to give one more uh, pitch over here for NucleusIntercom.com. We're here with the CEO, Jonathan Frankel, originally of Queens, currently of Philadelphia. I'd like to quote the study of the MIT professor who says anything that takes longer than two seconds. That would also explain the demise of baseball. Um, but, uh, but here it gives an opportunity for Nucleus Intercom, here at NucleusIntercom.com. So what, how, what do you see? What's going to happen over the next six, seven, eight months? Sure, maybe in, backtrack a little bit. So we got to that first prototype stage. Right? Oh, right, the first right. prototype. <laughs> yeah. So the, the minimal product wasn't even the viable product. So then the next step from there was, and probably this was of all the, the wonderful things that have happened to me since I launched, launched this, the best was I was looking, so I, I, using that prototype, I was able to raise a little bit of money to, to go hire someone and, and make a nicer prototype. And I spent probably weeks searching for the right person to hire. I made, again, hundreds of phone calls, emails. I was looking for a very specific skill set. Finally, on, on one of the websites I was looking, I was looking for, again, very specific. I found basically three people in the country that had a certain skill set. Um, one of them, his name was Isaac Levy, and he lives in New York. Um, and I thought, okay, sounds, sounds about right. Um, so I emailed him, and I, I happened to have gotten him at the right time. His stock options had vested where he was, and and he was looking for new challenges. And we, we I came up to New York like the next day to meet him, and we hit it off. And he has just turned the company, the technology, went from being something that was a, a weak point to something that is now an incredible strong point. I mean, he has 20-plus years' experience and written eight patents, just in wireless video communication. Um, there's some Fortune 500 companies that license technology that he himself has written. So he has you know, turned this product around like 180 degrees. I mean, the software is now fantastic. So you, we, we improved the software, and using that money, we, we hired a proper product design firm to make a much nicer prototype, which is what you see on the website. Sure. So we now have... So we have now we have a real viable product. We can call it minimum anymore. Now it's a, it's a proper viable product. And now we're looking to manufacture. So actually, the reason we're in New York is we're in the process of, of raising money to go manufacture. Um, we've already sourced most of the components we need. 
and we're putting together it's called like a design for manufacturer where you take and said this is a prototype but we actually will strip it down to the barest components that we need design it for manufacturer go find our sourcing our, our manufacturing partner probably in China and start actually producing them I mean you probably have to do a few iterations and which is why we kind of give the six month timeline because it's going to take one or two iterations before we get there um, and simultaneously with that process we'll be updating the software and we'll be you know, selling you know, and building a marketing team and, and a customer support team so we're a lot of exciting things happening all over the next six months. Sure, I mean it's it's it is exciting, and, and you're still working out of your house. Yes, you're still working out of your house. And, and where is Isaac? Isaac's in New York. He's out in New York, and the team is really two full time people. So it's us. It's us two full time, mm-hmm. and then Isaac brought with him a, a lot of um, people all over the world that he's been working with for years. So uh, someone that designed the software was the the, the uh, UI. Um, who who did let's say the, the last update was someone in Argentina. He has a developer in Mexico working on parts of the pieces of the project. Um, it's where I guess we're a global company at this point because we've been sourcing things from all over the world. Sure. So in the couple minutes that we have left, and and we did shortcut the story, believe it or not, because we have spent almost an hour together, and uh, and to me it's fascinating. We can spend several more, uh, just not on this particular episode of Tech Talk. Uh, leave our audience please with one, two, or three lessons that you think you've learned from this process? It can be personal. It could be professional. It could be advice out there to people struggling with the Blue Book out of law school or, mm-hmm. or, you know, just looking for another career, you know, things that you've learned that you'd be willing to share. Sure. Um, I think it's very important to realize that not everyone has to be a lawyer, doctor, accountant, a professional. They're, it's nice to have the steady income, but the draining feeling of going to a job that you don't necessarily love every day, being told what to do by someone you don't necessarily respect, um, it takes a real toll on your quality of life. And you, you honestly, for many people, as long as you can make ends meet, you'd be better off making less money working for yourself than, than more money working for you know, for someone else. Um, and I think most people have, have the chops. I wasn't selling lemonade on the lemonade stand growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people do have the capability. I mean, if you can get into a good law school, med school, etc., you have the ability to be a, a high-quality professional, then as long as you, you are not at the extreme conservative end of the risk-taking spectrum, mm-hmm. you probably have the ability to go out. I mean, maybe, maybe it means you have to go intern somewhere or find a mentor to teach you. But there's a lot of different ways to make a buck in the world, um, sure. and if you can do it for yourself, it has just wonderful benefits for your family life, for your personal life, um, even for your religious life. You have more freedom to do what you want to do and when you want to do it, and you know, obviously taking off for Shabbos or Yantav doesn't is, is a non-issue when you work for yourself. Right. Well, so I'm, I'm going to push back only slightly on that on behalf of the listeners out there who've also been working for themselves who know that... You never get to leave your work at home. Now, granted, most law and medical and the other things that we've got, you rarely are leaving it at home either. Um, and when you've got the big payroll that you have to cover, I mean, the stress, and you know, that's what that's what we're going to end with. Can you just walk through the emotional swings of a phenomenal, terrible day as an entrepreneur? So I'll give you a great example, because it happened to me last week. Um, we had launched on the Today Show the week beforehand. The first couple of days, we got a fantastic number of orders. It was going the right direction. Um, I woke up midweek feeling great. We were supposed to have articles in, in a major tech publication. Um, and then you know, I woke up. The orders had somehow just 
totally dried up you know, overnight. In the morning, we weren't getting anything. Got an email from the blogger saying she's, she had a terrible migraine. She wasn't sure if we could get around to it ever um, at a you know, major tech publication. So I was feeling pretty down. And then I got an email maybe a half hour later um, from I have a friend who works for Product Hunt, which is the big uh, launching pad for a lot of, of uh, tech companies now, who said even though we had been on there a few months ago, um, he was willing, since our product had been so updated, he was willing to resubmit you know, manually because I couldn't do it anymore because it's sure. one, one and done there. So he resubmitted it. So I was very excited because we were kind of back on, on this big website. Um, and then over the next few hours, we got almost no traction on Product Hunt. So I was feeling you know, pretty deflated and, and the orders still weren't happening and the, the blocks wasn't happening. And then you know, a few hours later, I got, I got an email almost out of nowhere from one of the largest real estate development companies in certainly the States, maybe the world, um, saying they heard about the product, they wanted a demo ASAP, which is actually one of the reasons I'm here. So the reason, today's meeting, one was to raise money, one was to go show this, this company uh, the, the demo. So I mean, you have these swings from just uh, euphoria to, to despair and you know, back and forth and back and forth, sure. which is why it's wonderful. You have a supportive wife and family, and that's really, it lets you step back from the computer and just enjoy life. And if we walk away with, I think, one lesson, and you've shared many with us and for the product, it's, it's really been incredible. I want to remind our audience that they've been listening to Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Ari Leitzen. We've been joined this hour by Jonathan Frankel of Nucleus. You find them at NucleusIntercom.com, NucleusIntercom.com. Go to Reserve Now and follow me on Twitter for a special introductory rate. You can listen to us on NachamSiegel.com or find us on our app. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our good friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Yonatan, I really want to thank you for taking the time with us today and wish you only the most luck with Nucleus Intercom. It's awesome. Thank you very much. This has been a wonderful experience. I really, really appreciate it, and thank you to all your listeners for listening to the end. Thank you.